Welcome to Blue State Conversations. This is our place to discuss the political theory from all sides, bridging the political divides that split our society. Good evening. It's William and Matthew. Good evening, everybody. And here's our opening problem. In 2012, Republicans across the country wanted a real politician, and they said they were tired of the veiled speech and flip-flopping. They just wanted someone to mean what they say. By 2016, it became apparent that some of them did not mean that, as they accused Donald Trump of being too blunt. Is everyone a hypocrite? Republicans currently accuse President Biden of being a houseplant and cover, but in that case, what was John McCain? Feminists were long fond of saying a woman needed to be in power, but were nowhere to be found when Sarah Palin was attacked by the press. As it turns out, picking a ruler is difficult because the flaws come with the strengths. Picking the most powerful man in the world is a daunting task. And so the, for the question of the show, what should we value in a ruler? Yeah, I, I'm actually reminded of a uh, time my dad came home and we, it was during the Palin run. And they were all in the teacher's lounge. And the one of the teachers, you know, noticed the television where Sailor Palin was speaking and a discussion broke out. And several of the female teachers who were there started saying that they, they couldn't support her. They just couldn't. And several of the male teachers there were actually, you know, McCain, Palin, Republicans. And so they started saying, why is it? Why? You know? and, and one of the women finally just went, well... I mean, I just, when she wears those shoes with everything, I just can't support her. And I just remember going, what does her shoes have to do with anything? (laughs) I mean, I guess that's a reason. And and it does seem that people will have numerous reasons. I know somebody that would not vote for Trump. They vote, they say they are a single issue voter on abortion, but they did not vote for the only pro-choice, the only pro-life person in the campaign and voted for the pro-choice person, right? What do we value in a ruler is a question that I think plagues people constantly. And I think it's just not talked about or covered. And the first thing that I want to bring up in regards to that is this theory. It's, uh, it's in regulatory theory, talking about when you're putting together laws. Uh, it's called bootleggers and Baptists. Yeah. Ooh, tell us about it. So the theory talks about the fact that alliances and positions between different groups will often have the same outcome desired by these groups, but their motivations are completely different. So as the title would suggest, you may have alcohol being strictly regulated, which is a very Baptist position. You may only purchase a certain amount at a time, never on Sunday. Now, this is obviously a thing that the Baptists would support, right? They're, they know alcohol, although I know everybody knows a Baptist who drinks alcohol, but for the purposes of our, <laughs> of our scenario here. So they're supporting it because this is part of their value system, right? It's a religious value. It's, it's altruistic, right? We believe this and they wholeheartedly do. Now, here's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. The bootleggers, the guys illegally running alcohol, they also do not want a law to remove all limitations on alcohol. And, of course, many people will be going, well, that seems odd. They're the guys running the alcohol. 
You're right. However, they need the black market conditions to survive. If they, I was just going to say, this oddly reminds me of like weed being unregulated in certain places where the people who actually sell it don't really want to lose their stream of income. Right, because going legit would be, right, it becomes regulatory. Your cut starts, you, you would see your business affected by it. And so the same outcome is wanted by these two groups that have such different motivations and honestly probably hate each other. There's actually a literal example of this where it used to be that there were um, wet counties and dry counties in, a, I believe it was in Alabama. And one of the funnier things that happened, of course, was in the wet counties, you could sell alcohol. In the dry counties, you could not. So there was a bill that was introduced to make the dry counties also wet counties. And the liquor stores said no. And the reason was they were picking up all that business and they would lose it if somebody was able to set up shop over there, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're looking to rule, whenever somebody's talking about coming in to rule, you know, because people are probably sitting there going, well, this seems to talk more about voters than anything else. How it applies to rulers is it's very difficult to rule just on one specific group. Even if you took, even if you got every single evangelical in this country, you can't win an election, right? There's still enough people to outnumber them. They're not a big enough group. You need to be all Christians, and then you'd have the size. But even then, you're ta- you would need every single one because the percentage of Christians is dropping. It used to be 80, now it's down to 70, and there's some newer polls out saying it's right at 50. So you would need every last Christian in the country to agree with you, which you'll never get. So, And it sounds like that would be saying that it's including people who don't go to church but consider themselves Christians as well, which the amount of people who go to church has dropped down to, what, 40%? Right, so you're talking about a decreasing, yeah, as you go smaller and smaller. So you what it, The demographic keeps getting right. smaller, and therefore you don't have to pander to them quite so much if that's what we would want to call it. You know, people will often say, you know, there's the conservatives and the liberals. There's really not. There's... You have your neocons, your paleocons, you've got your conservatives, you have your old school Republicans, you have your Reagan Republicans, you have your moderate Republicans, uh, you've got your evangelicals, you've got your right-wing libertarians. You know, there's a whole different group of, the, you know, you, what are the gay conservatives, right? There's a whole, all these groups. Yeah, it's a real thing. That fall under this umbrella of the right wing. They need to be taking account for. So how do you get all those people into one group? That's the first difficulty for a ruler. I mean, we see the same problem on the left side as well. Are you really going to combine somebody like AOC with somebody else more moderate? Well, somebody else who was supposed to be more moderate, like President Biden before he became president. Maybe for President Biden when he was like, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, you could just think about um, Manchin, right? Joe Manchin and AOC, vastly different. Manchin's an institutionalist. He He's a, he's the definition of a corporate Democrat. Uh your AOC is not. AOC would hate yeah. that. And then even, you know, the difference between Warren and Sanders, they're both they're both leftists, but the difference between the two of them is pretty big. <sighs> you know, so you've got all these different groups, and how do you put them together? That was actually one of Obama's strengths. Uh, Obama's strength was putting together a coalition of different marginalized groups. Oh, he got so many people to back him that would have otherwise been like, eh. Right. Eh. And he was just a very good speaker. He's good at making people feel valued, no matter whether he agreed with them or not. Correct. Yeah, it was, 
it was amazing what he was able to what he was able to pull together, and that was part of his strengths, and that's why he did better than. Which is also part of why Hillary right. lost because she didn't have any of those strengths. What are the th- what's one of the biggest things about Hillary Clinton that has always dogged her? She's very unlikable. It's just really hard to like her. You know, have you ever met anybody who's just like you know I I, I love listening to Hillary talk? Absolutely no one says that. I'm not even sure who bought the book <laughs> multiple times over multiple years. They just don't exist. You know. I feel like the biggest buyer of Hillary Clinton books is probably the public library right, to have it in circulation at this point. Right. Because how else does, does somebody that unlikable manage to get sales on books? Like, and it's, it's very different from say somebody like Michelle Obama. You could, you know that people are buying her book becoming, you know, that people like her because they like her husband and therefore like her. Right. It was very obvious that when you, Heard Obama talk. It was just at likeable. least we know that her best-selling criteria is it's actually best-selling. No, and that was one of the things. <laughs> what what made Reagan so successful? He was you know he's the great communicator. Uh, what made Clinton mm-hmm. really successful? He was really good at making people, you know, not Hillary Clinton but Bill Clinton in the nineties. He was very successful at being likable. Mm-hmm. The best presidents are the ones that we think have the best communication ability. Which makes sense. I mean, the, the concept of finding a leader is very much like trying to find a CEO. It is. For a much bigger company. That brings us to just that struggle. You you can have people look at Herman Cain. He was a successful businessman. He had a tax plan that everybody went bonkers over. And then all of a sudden, you know, he had the one allegation. He was out of the race. Donald Trump, then you know the next rotation through has what twenty of them, <laughs> and the guy survives it, right? Why is that? Mm-hmm. Well, because Trump had the ability to make people like him, and, and the, for that very reason, you know, love and hate. They the very fact that he was very good at making people really like him is for the exact reason that people were very passionate about disliking him too. You know, the fact that people were passionate about it. As opposed to there have been a number of candidates that we've had in the past where nobody was passionate about them at all. Like, um, let's see, McCain. Who, like, I don't know anyone that was like, wow, McCain's just no, amazing. McCain's campaign just was amazing. dead until Palin joined. Absolutely dead. It was just, yep. he's, it was just, he's not Obama. That was literally. Oh, and the 20, I want to say, was it 2012 Romney? Romney. That was... That was just, just awful. Like in the concept of just like likability and just like, could we pick somebody else, please? It is really rough because you're not going to find people, you're not going to find a ton of Christians who back somebody like that person. Like, and then since then, he's only shown himself to be, I don't know, like really very partisan and kind of forgettable. Like it just, it felt like he would take the side of like, more democratic, more liberal when there was no like benefit to him personally. And then he would show his hand and he was absolutely for him trying to like gain ground from like liberals the whole time. And it was just like, why? Like they don't actually like you. Don't pretend that they do. Well, I remember Romney talking about how, you know, I can't believe that Trump is, you know, we're, we're going to be spending all this money and we're going to be doing all this, you know, and Trump does this and he, he's going to say, we're going to cut things. You got to spend, you got to, he would talk all these big stuff. And then the second the conservatives are out of power, 
all of a sudden Romney's like, you know, the right wing's got some good points. <laughs> it's like, all mm-hmm. right, buddy, you know, this this is not like if you're gonna play that card and you're gonna flip flop every two years, you know, the least you can try to do is stop talking on TV and on the radio, so then people don't have to hear you flip flop on things that we don't want to hear you flip flop on. Right. Because it just makes you more unlikable. It's the concept that I'm like, okay, are we going to see him try to make another run for it? Because I don't want somebody that we feel like flip-flops every two years to go and try again. Right. He has said he's, he hasn't lost the idea that he could. Mm. He usually just wanders off into, if this is a party of Trump, then I don't want any part of it. He, he wanders off into that. Yeah, and I'd want to see somebody that, like, I want to see a Republican who handled COVID well in their state as a governor say that they would do well in the future as a president. And when we talk about how the future could look like, because we almost, we we may see Trump try to come back for another presidential run. And I feel like it would be incredibly powerful for somebody to deceit him in the primaries. It would be just going back to our bootlegger and Baptist uh, original situation that we just recently had Liz Cheney voted out. Yeah. Uh, she was the number three House Republican, which uh, one of the things is if, if you know who the number three of the minority party in the House is and right, you're either way into politics or the news is highlighting them for an agenda. I knew that she was a leader, but I definitely didn't know she was the third. Yeah. So she's um, she's I think they call them the conference chair. The biggest reason for this position is really it's fundraising. It's also a lot of it is media presence. These aren't positions that are created by the house or anything. This is quite literally created by a party. Um, that's like mm. the, the whip. People are like, well, what's the whip? Well, the job is their job is actually to kind of go around and sort of remind people like, hey, this vote's coming up. We're doing this. This is part of the party. You know, whip up the vote is where it comes from. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, there's all these positions that are occupied. And the other thing that it does, of course, is it helps with just moving up within the party, right? If you if you can move into one of these positions, then you sort of become a more high profile. So you kind of want to make your introductions. More and, people will know you. Yeah. So part of it, it's all just party politics. But one of the things that you'll see in the news is, well, the Republicans voted out Liz Cheney because, you know, she uh, had the audacity to say that January 6th was a riot and that she doesn't like Trump. And this is unbelievable. And the thing that they're forgetting is they actually voted twice on keeping Liz Cheney in. They voted a couple months ago, right? So um, when they voted her out this week in May, what actually happened is two months ago, they held a similar vote because she was being a problem. Oh. And she easily was voted to stay in her position as the number three. However, what she then did is she proceeded to go on every single left-wing show. She went on MSNBC, CNN, all these different places, and she just trashed Trump. She trashed Trump voters. You have to think everything's above board with the election. If you think anything was under the table, and she'd go off. And the problem is, is it was starting to piss off Republican voters. Unsurprisingly. Just to throw this out there, like, we were all very much shell-shocked from the fact that 2020 feels a little weird. And this shouldn't be surprising given that 2016 left the Democratic Party feeling disenfranchised. So should we really go through 2020 into 2021 being like, wow, 
the Republican Party isn't allowed to, isn't allowed, maybe rephrase it that way, not allowed to feel disenfranchised by the way that the, by the way that the uh, elections turned out. Everyone's entitled to feel disenfranchised. If it happens, it happens. Yeah, they didn't spend several hundred million dollars saying that, uh, you know, Trump was a Russian puppet. <laughs> <laughs> what was Schiff up to again? Um, you know, so mm. she was pissing off Republican voters. And the thing is, it was affecting her ability to fundraise. So she couldn't do her job. Right. So the problem now becomes if you're Kevin McCarthy is like, well, this is an issue. The other thing is, if you're just going to go on TV for the next four years and trash Trump, you're going to hurt us when we turn around to support Trump or we do anything. Because here's the fun thing. Liz Cheney actually probably had one of the best records of voting with Trump. She voted with him 94% of the time. It's almost like she didn't feel this way until he wasn't elected. Right. So what happens is, you know, of course, Cheney came out and she goes, well, it's because I'm a woman. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> it's because Ooh. you were a problem for the party. They can't have the number three of the party trashing the party especially because they were inviting her on these shows and intentionally whipping her up so that she would go in there. <laughs> they and were she would whipping start talking her? crap about McCarthy. They were whipping her up. They were. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they were, she was trashing McCarthy. She was trashing all the other Republicans. You know, she'd go after Gates. Having the number three Republican trash the other Republicans in the House and Senate, that that's kneecapping yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just not something you can have done. Definitely not. So the issue is, even though there are House Republicans that supported Cheney and agree with Cheney and agree with what she's saying, they still voted her out because they're going, well, hold on a second here. We agree with you, but it's like May. We're past this thing. And honestly, mm -hmm. that hurt us. Well, you don't want to be relitigating January 6th for the next. We have another election to win. We've got the House coming up. Biden's already like under hot water. We need to be focusing on this. We're trying to move the party this way. Like we're trying to get the party going here. And you're like still going. Yeah. I remember that time we were all jerks. Like <laughs> that's right. We, we need to all be focusing on the fact that uh, Biden isn't the great uniter. He said he was at any point in time. That, right. That's the party stance on it. Like that's going to have to be the party. Like, stance. Could you imagine if like a Democrat was, you know, imagine if Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi, or, or any of these leaders in the Democratic Party were out there going, so remember Benghazi? Ooh, do you remember the emails? Oh, yeah. The, and then just talking about that and how bad Clinton was. Could you imagine? If they were just still talking about that, even if they'd be like, hey, look, we love you, but we're kind of doing, we're kind of getting rid of Trump now. <laughs> we're focusing on this now. Mm -hmm. We don't want people to remember that. <laughs> you know, this is, this is just marketing and PR 101, you don't just keep bringing up the other past stuff. And if people are like, if, if conservatives don't want to give money to the, mm -hmm. why would they, and if you bring, like, what they booed Mitt Romney, do you think Liz Cheney is going to get a, any better of a reception? Well, she can't fundraise. Probably she's trashing not. the party. She's causing internal conflict. She can't be in charge of anything. So they, they voted her out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But again, what was the first thing that, that came out with the media? They wanted, you know, the media is supporting her, Jen, Jen Psaki, you know, Pelosi. Why, why are Democrats supporting a Republican? A lot of people would be going, well, you know, it's because they understand truth when they see it. No, it's because mm. that she was doing their job for them. It's better when it says R next to the name and they're trashing the Republicans 
and if it says D next to their name, because people are just going to tune that out, they're going to go, well, of course they do. It's a Democrat criticizing a Republican. All right, what is it, Monday? Mm-hmm. Right? They want to have that. They like having somebody do that. That's why, uh, how many times have you found, you know, when Joe Rogan criticizes the left, conservatives are like, oh, great. Why? Because Rogan's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. So when Rogan criticizes the Democrats, they go and see, 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 it's not just us. You know, <laughs> it's helpful. So you, that's, that's part of. Because well, then you can point to it and say that we're not the only ones who think this way. They're being, they're being torn down from within, from people in their own, within their own party, which is part of the the whole kick that we get out of the primaries. Anyways, we get to see people that we get to see Democrats and Republicans tear down their own people and try to put themselves above that person. And then within a few months time, they're like, wow, clap, clap. Isn't that person amazing now that they've won the primary? Well, well, I mean, Kamala was what? She went from calling the guy from calling Biden to calling Biden basically a segregationist. A racist, a segregationist racist. And then like a couple months later, she's just like, you know, I'd love to work with this guy. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Wasn't even that. She also laughed about it and mentioned that she, uh, it came out that she believed in, she had the same views as Biden about uh, the busing as it, uh, and therefore, you know, why was she criticizing somebody else about the same view she had? Well, to get a TV moment. Right. I still have to hold on to the fact, and I just want to keep repeating this over and over again, that she didn't wait to pull out of the race for California to have their primary because she just didn't want to lose in her home state. And therefore she had to keep it alive that she could be vice president. Just have to throw that out there. Right. Yeah, that's true. Although I, you know, the idea of losing California as a Democrat, but there were other people, there were other people to vote for. So it's not really against her so much as there were better candidates. Oh, there, there definitely were. She just, for some reason they, they went with her. And I think a lot of it was they wanted to appease the progressive wing. They wanted to say, look, we have, we have the progressive credentials. To be fair, didn't Biden's uh, future administration at the time say that they were only going to take a vice president who was a female person of color? That's true. So it did leave the options a little low. (laughs) There were just a lot of people that said, oh, darn it. This isn't my time. Yeah. Anyway, that's a little off topic but somehow still relevant. It is still relevant because this is all going to just the struggle of ruling, right? We're talking about one person with an insane amount of power. So how are you electing this person and how is this person putting together their coalition? You have to be thinking about these things because what may be objectively best for the country is something that may not be desired. So we all, like every single person, when when you ask them, you're like, so you guys know that Social Security and Medicare are like, going to run out of money in like the next decade. Mm-hmm. And people are kind of like, yeah. But they don't think about how we need to have a solution long before that happens. Yeah, they, they, they'll say that, but he, why? So if everyone knows this, why aren't politicians talking about it? Because here's the problem. None of the solutions are popular. Oh, no, no, no. They're deeply unpopular. It's not even just they're not popular to talk about. It's that if you suggest anything regarding the funding of it, you will become deeply unpopular. Like, that's a fact. It will, if somebody thinks that we need to cut and transition, so like there's been conversations about how people should have automatic uh, deductions from their paychecks to put money in their 401k because obviously the government can't trust you to save for retirement. And that that could be a way to say cut social security in the future. 
is that if you start forcing people to put money in 401ks, then 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 it's been handled if you do it early enough. But it's it's the same problem happens with healthcare. They they actually um, Bush did that. He wanted to follow uh, the Scandinavian model of partially private, partially government, and they went after they went after him and they dropped the idea. But again, it should, goes to show that he had an idea to actually help. It wasn't going to change anything. It was mm-hmm. just going to say, hey, part of the money that you currently ha- are paying is going to go into basically a 401k, something similar to that. And mm-hmm. they got, he got attacked for it. And seniors were like, no, you can't do this. You're going to cut our benefit. You know, people were going crazy over this. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're a very large voting group. People over 60, 62, that's still a very, it's a growing, I mean, as far as I'm aware, that's a growing that's group your, of people. That's your donor money, right? Because that's the people who have the money. They've, they've, they've got businesses. They've got their whole life. They've got, you know, they have the money to do this. They're also politically active. They come out for the party. All that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So getting rid of them. Older Democrats, older Republicans. Right. You know, so you can see just the reaction, right? Medicare is going under. So what's the response? Well, a lot of Democrats have adopted Medicare for all. Why? Because it'll sa- because the numbers, it will save Medicare for another 50 years. But uh, it'll save Medicare at the, at the expense of absolutely every other person. That's true. However, if you think about this, if the problem doesn't happen for 50 years... Then we pushed it off. I'm not going to be alive. If, if I'm, let's say I'm a, a 50, 60-year-old politician, right? Yeah, that's true. In 50 years. You don't have to give it to anybody else but your grandchildren. I don't have to deal with it, right? It's That's not my problem. My problem is to get reelected. I need to be reelected so I can pass this thing or do this. Or hey, we'll just do Medicare for all. Yeah, that, that's my thing. Mm. Everybody has to have a thing these days. Right now, that's not to say that Bernie Sanders doesn't believe in it, but you can see a lot of politicians who, for the longest time, are like Medicare for all. That's stupid. All of a sudden, go, well, we are going to have a Medicare problem, and this is how I'll solve it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even Sanders is a hypocrite, though. Like uh, he he's very true to who he is, and then he made lots of money from books and things, and now is like, hmm, capitalism isn't so bad. Well, I think a lot of these people really don't. They don't. They think that socialism doesn't get rid of the good parts of capitalism. I think for a lot of people, they do believe that. But you know, you, know, you can think about Medicare for all. You can talk about right the tax rate. What's the what's the response for sure? Right. Uh, you know, you can see just the Republican. They're ta- they are lowering the tax rate on they go, but they go for business tax rates. They go for other. The issue they have is decreasing spending. Right. That's <laughs> so, you know, if you lower the tax rate and then you're just going to continue to spend it an insane amount of you, what's your, what's your plan here? You can't do this forever. But the thing is the devaluation of the dollar in their minds is, well, that's in 20 years. That's in 30 years. That's in 40 years. That's every year. <laughs> right. That's worse on years where we spend more of it. Right. But if you're, if the economy is going good, guess what happens? You get reelected. And so they've the focus is on that. So you can see the mm-hmm. issue here where we're trying. And the thing is, when you drop tax rates, you can pull the moderates to you. So once you've pulled the moderates to you, you can set up your power base and then you have the political capital to do what you're doing. Yeah. You know, because again, if, if I suggest, if today, if I suggest social security is needs to be cut, people would look at me like, 
you're out of your mind. You're crazy. Mm -hmm. What do you want to kill grandma? In 10 years, those same people are going to be going, why didn't anybody think of cutting social security? What's going on here? Oh yeah. They're going to say, why didn't my great grandparents or my grandparents or just my parents really make a better decision about how to handle this? Yeah. And these groups aren't even Republican or Democrat. It's addressing the same issue with the same problem. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that the Democrats do it is you've now, you've created a coalition of old people because Medicare is going to get funding. Young people who don't have high paying jobs, right? Because mm-hmm. now they get health care, right? Typically low income people because you're promising them better health care. Right? So you, you're creating these different groups that all want to have it. Whether these groups agree with each other or even mm. like each other doesn't matter. So this sort of just brings us to the question, though. is it a policy thing or is it a person thing? Like what's more important? Right. How important is the character of somebody who's supposed to be in charge? Right? Do you like your boss? You know, do you like your boss because he's good at his job, or do you like your boss because he's a funny guy? Oof. So it's tough because this is always that one where you're talking to uh, Christians and you end up with like two different sides. You end up with the person who says this person is revolting to me, and I can't possibly vote for them because they're revolting. And then you end up with the other person that says, I don't care if he's revolting as long as he is going to do a good job at furthering the views that I have based off of my beliefs. And that's where you end up with the people who voted for Trump and said, I think he'd do a good job at furthering what I believe in, but he's also done pretty heinous things. And it's not that I'm okay with those heinous things. I just don't think they're a part of the job criteria. Right. You know, as I said to a lot of people, the question was put to evangelicals. Would you prefer to vote for somebody who is presentable in a church, ergo, you know, e.g. Hillary Clinton? Or would you prefer to vote for somebody who's going to let you have the church? You know, and a lot of people would say, well, what do you mean let him have the church? What, what happened when Hillary called everybody deplorable, right? They called Catholics medieval. Those emails came out. They think about there's They sued nuns for birth control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right you know if i'm an evangelical i'm going why i'm not voting for you i don't care how nice you are you're attacking my points <laughs> and then now you can see evangelicals turn to like the opposite of that <laughs> right so are we say, but are we saying character is not important or are we saying certain parts of character mm-hmm. are important so what i think the key thing to learn is we all like to be associated with people we can brag about. Mm. Right. Uh, you know, for those of us who are younger, we, we can remember like uh, from the Harry Potter books, right? Um, the slug club, right? The horse sure. slughorn. He would invite all the students that he thought were talented or had connections. You know, he'd, he'd just, he'd party them up. He'd even, you know, make sure that he'd get in with them. He'd make connections. He'd introduce them to people, get their career started. Mm-hmm. But the second somebody in that club lost a connection, right? If they know, you know, if he, if their uncle was famous, but then he found out that they don't talk to that uncle, I, they were out. Or if uh, the second, mm-hmm. you know, oh, so uh, well, they're kind of associated with Death Eaters, so I'm not going to be, no, nah, he's not coming, right? So he carefully cultivated that. Now, why would, th- this does reflect what a lot of us do. We, we try to find 
people mm-hmm. in our lives that we like to set, tell people about, right? It's fun to talk about your friend who goes traveling, right? Oh, they were just over here and they were doing that. And I talked to them. <laughs> and because it's it's fun. How many, who, how many, do you know how many people, you know, mm. at a party you'll be sitting there, you know, hey, what have you been doing recently? Wow. Oh, well, I've been doing prison ministry. Oh, you've been doing prison. Oh, thank you. Oh, what have you been doing? Right, you know, oh, what have you been doing? Oh, uh, been working vol- part time uh, down at the soup kitchen. Oh, wow, you're doing such the God's uh, work. What have you been doing? You know, wow. Well, I make silver in uh, video games. Yeah, it's been taking me a while. I've been working on some uh, new tactics and stuff, and people go, "Oh, okay, uh, okay." Now that third guy, oh, he probably, okay. you know, he probably is very proud of it. He probably, you know, Hey, I've been kind of working on this and I, I've gotten better and it's kind of an accomplishment recently. You know, who is that person going to want to continue the conversation with the first two? And he's going to brag about the first two. Right. And that, remember the Obama approval ratings, they were sky mm-hmm. high, you, you, but then you oh, look yeah. at his actual policies and they were like deeply unpopular. The guy lost the house and Senate for like years which is amazing. Mm-hmm. He could not win the House and Senate, right? Oh, yeah. That was the checks and power that were put in place after he won because everything that he said was so deeply unpopular that people just couldn't stomach it, or at least more than 50% of the states couldn't stomach it. And then I, I have to throw this in. Um, when Biden was asked, you know, like, why didn't you guys do more for X, Y, and Z issue? He said, well, we didn't have the, the House and Senate. And people said, well, you had it for two years. And in that time, they passed. They passed Obamacare. They could have. They could do anything they wanted with some limitations. And they passed Obamacare, which had that one uh, handy fee in it for people who, uh, yeah, the the fee. You know, the the tax on if you didn't have health care, then we're going to make you pay money for it, which was striked down by the the courts. Right, but if you think about it, Trump did not. Now Trump did lose the House um, two years in. It's very typical, but the thing is, it's typical. He lost typically, like it was an average presidency, mm-hmm. but his numbers were ridiculously low, right? A guy sure. at, at 43% should not be retaining the Senate and only yeah. barely losing the House. That shouldn't be mm-hmm. what's happening, right? So obviously, this means that Obama was unlikable, right? No, no, Obama was very likable. <laughs> yeah. But Trump was unlikable, but because people wanted things done. So you can see the difference mm-hmm. there. A lot of people go, yeah, I don't like Trump. I'm voting for him, though. <laughs> right? You can see that sort of... Mm-hmm. So maybe the approval poll... Well, because I would say most people didn't like Trump. Like, as a person. It was a... <laughs> kind of a response. All over the board. There are a lot of people, if you said, you know, how do you think Trump's doing? A lot of them would just be kind of like, ah, you know, ugh. But then when you started saying, so what about, the, what about the wall, right? What about taxes? What about this? They go, yeah, 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 of course. No, those are all great. Just why is he screaming on Twitter? He was an unlikable person. What happens is people, they think in terms of Machiavelli or Jesus. Mm-hmm. They, they, almost, they put people into either the flawless statesman or the flawless human. Nobody was flawless ever. None of these candidates ever were. Exactly. But you'll hear these statements like Bernie's ideas, they may suck, but he's an honorable guy. He doesn't, you know, he, he comes he comes at you straight. 
he means well, he's got a good plan. You can put him in power because even if his policy isn't the greatest, he's he a guy you can well. trust, right? You know, they may, what the War, Elizabeth Warren fans, you know, she, yeah, people don't like her, but oh, does she know policy? Have you seen what she comes mm. up with? She's so smart and she's intelligent. There's all the, you know, Trump, yeah, he's a troll to women. Okay, I have to say some of those things that, that people have said about some of the women in politics just seem so sexist. <laughs> like, of course, she's, you know, she knows what she means. You know, she's been in politics long enough to have a standing. Yeah, well, just the way that she she talks is very patronizing. And it's very, and the problem is, of course, is she'll change a position and then act like she never even held a different position. You know, <laughs> you know but you'll hear Trump, he's a troll to women. But he knows the country. He knows what's good. Right? He's he's got the plan. Right? Yeah. How many Trump? How many oh, yeah. Trump supporters did you hear go? Yeah, look, I wish he didn't tweet, mm -hmm. but the Twitter is not what matters. It's the fact that there's peace in the Middle East. Mm hmm. I really exactly. Well, and now here we are. You know, I, you know, right now it's uh, May fourteenth, and this past week, I believe there were shots fired on Israel and back and forth back to, I think it's Gaza. Yeah. So the Gaza Strip, Hamas, yeah, it's Hamas that's firing it. And they've been in armed combat. Yeah. I think, uh, I think I saw the Israeli reported a dozen. Yeah. And as far as this morning I was hearing, I think there were three casualties on the Israeli side and over a hundred casualties on the other side, including children. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Unbelievable. And it, there's a lot of videos going out on, I think, Instagram of the footage from the Iron Dome shooting a bunch of missiles, shooting down missiles. Unbelievable footage. Uh, some Israelis have had a pretty good sense of humor. They've been putting Star Wars music over it. Um, <laughs> so you can watch the, the, the missiles go up. It's a little morbid. I, I will say it's very cool to watch because I feel like people don't realize that military tech has come a long way. And I think people also don't realize, you know, at least, you know, both of us here, we live in North America. If rockets get fired at the United States, most likely they're coming from across oceans. It is very, very different. It takes hours for them to get there. But when you're talking about Israel, it's like it fires, minutes go by and they get destroyed or they hit to target. So it's ground to ground. I believe it's Ashdod. I, I could be pronouncing the city. I don't want to say the city wrong, but one of the main cities that you're seeing the videos come from, um, they have 30 seconds from warning to impact a total because Israel's an insanely, insanely, because it's only like 13 miles. The center of the country is only about 40 miles. Wow. That's nothing. That's nothing. Right. It's, it's a very, it, it'd be the, it'd be like, you know, saying the middle of Rhode Island. It's very small. It's very small. It's incredible. But you can see that where people will say, hey, it's anti-Semitism to criticize Israel. And then others will say, mm -hmm. I, actually, I can't believe the amount of people I've been seeing that you're watching terrorists attack Israel and people saying, well, has anyone considered the terrorists? <laughs> uh, part of the reason that you actually have so many casualties on uh, the terrorist side is they're firing rockets <laughs> into Gaza, which is held by, which is like a Palestinian area. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's the big that's the big thing here is that it's Palestine versus Israel. Truthfully, yeah. So the, the part because the basically what Hamas and Hezbollah have kind of figured out is that since the Iron Dome was going to hit about ninety percent of the missiles, if you just exponentially 
you just show so many through it that right. you might miss some. So because if the you know ninety you know ninety percent of ten missiles is of course one missile, and what's that going to do? But the second you fired a thousand, all of a sudden that's a hundred missiles. That's a hundred rockets. That's that's going to do something. Hmm. Well. And there's a lot of things going on here. Like as a computer science major, there there was a class that I had where we discussed radars and specifically the data that you're getting back. It is possible for things to be blocked by things that are in the air so that the radar receives something that doesn't match what's actually happening out there. And then there's also the processing time and how many objects there are at that time. And you could run these on the fastest computers in the world and still miss something. You have seconds. Right. The idea is just sim- just simple overwhelming by just if we, you know, if you just launch 300 of them at a time. Right. You know, mm-hmm. or if you're off like the, the and the way that this goes sometimes is if you're off by a second, the distance that the rocket has moved can be faster than where the rocket is that you shot vertically. It'll miss it. And then it just passes through and you won't know until it lands. Right. Yeah. It's it, there's a it's hitting a bullet in, with another bullet. It's it's absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Absolutely insane. And I think you know to sort of just wrap this up. This is not a discussion of whose policies we like more. You know, we, we got into Israel Palestine. We got into war. And mm-hmm. We got into all these different things. It's not so much about I like that person's policies more. That's that we're talking about. We talk about policy a lot. What I want mm-hmm. to be discussing is how you approach leaders, because I think that's the key question that nobody's talking about. And I think the, the, one of the things I want to say to people is the first thing to realize is we are at fault. This is a democratic government, right? So if politicians are corrupt, that's our fault. If government mm-hmm. is overreaching, that's our fault, right? If you've got somebody who's been voted back in after a sex scandal— Someone voted for him, right? Mm-hmm. A number of it's, people had to. And this is why I brought up the Jesus and Machiavelli, is people tend to just be like, well, my candidate is a perfect human. His policies may need, you know, need some work, but you're voting for a good man. Your guy, yeah, he might have good policy, but like he's a terrible human being. And so, mm-hmm. but the question is, okay, so what are you voting for? Are you voting for your pastor? Are you voting for your boss? Right? The point, what is the point of a president? Mm-hmm. Right? He's supposed to be a man of action. That's why he's the executive. Right? His his job is to meet, he is the military, right? He's he's supposed to be because having can you imagine Congress deciding military strategy? Oh gosh. Not even a little bit. Oh, right. Meeting with foreign dignitaries, right? Treaties. Uh, the G20, stuff like that. Why do you have the president? Because having a single man be the forefront of that, that that's a leader. Could you imagine mm-hmm. if you had to pick a committee of people to go to every single thing? <laughs> Could you imagine <sighs> if all, there's a reason that, you know, the DOJ. Could you imagine if Congress was running the DOJ and who and who we investigated was up to Congress? Be such a waste of time. Right. Because the flip side of that is because he's one guy, he can't pass blame off to somebody else. Right. Because mm-hmm. what happens right now, you know, you'll have somebody come in and say, look, I know Congress sucks, but I'm one out of a hundred. Right. If they're a senator. Right. You know, they'll say these things because 
you can do it. You can hide behind that. I'm just me. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, you can't you can do that say, as a Hey, I wasn't holding, you know, I wasn't able to hold everybody's control just with me. So I'd have to convince all these other people and that's going to take time. You know, and they, they, they probably say that to their donors all the time. All the, all the time. You know, you need to reelect me because if you don't reelect me, then you won't have the chance to elect another person like me. And then the two of us won't, you know, if it's, then it'll just be him, right? You just, you can see mm-hmm. that argument made all the time. You need to elect me and all the other Republicans. Well, you didn't do that. So, eh, you know, hey, can't do anything. I'm just going to have to collect. No, I'm just going to, I'm going to need more money, more time to keep doing what I can. This is what I can do, guys. But you can't, can do. that argument is not acceptable as a president because by the nature of his office. So to that end, how much does intent, character, and morals matter? Right? Do you want a president who intends to do a good job but fails at it? Or a guy who's like super likable, he's got a good character, he's funny, personable, but the country, just, uh, like Jimmy Carter, right? Personable guy. Stagflation. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You have a you know a president, he's got the right morals, but he really just fails at being president. Mm-hmm. Right. So if if your response to me asking those questions is, why do I have to pick a president who fails? Now you've run into the problem of you've declared results matter more than the person. And usually mm-hmm. when I talk to I talk to people about that, they'll kind of start backpedaling, go, well, no, 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 I don't mean that. No. So they'll usually come to the conclusion, which all of us will do, which is we need a mix. We need some of the morals, some of the policy. We want to do that. So if we've made that decision, Mm -hmm. then what's going on is we're attacking each other for having different types of mixes. That's not going to produce any results because... Then all somebody needs to do is have your favorite policy and they can convince you that the character doesn't matter because, well, you need the policy. Right. And how do you think Ilhan Omar gets away with the open anti-Semitism? How did Steve King get away with the racism? Right. Because you would have destroyed the party and the other party would have taken advantage of it instead of the Democrats mm-hmm. coming in and going, hey, man, look, just replace him. You can put any. Imagine if somebody. Imagine if the Democrats went to the Republicans went to the Democrats and went, look, just replace Omar. You can put another Democrat in there. We're not even going to run anybody. Just, you know, we don't even, you know, just just replace her. She's she's an anti-Semite. We don't want that here. And then we're going to get rid of Steve King. You could imagine if that sort of agreement was happening. I, I like to talk to people about this all the time. The Federalists and Anti-Federalists quite literally were like, well, if you pass the Constitution, then we'll put in the Bill of Rights. And they mm-hmm. went and did it. Like, could you imagine that sort of agreement happening now? No. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. You know, you know, imagine if Trump went to them and was like, look, you fund the wall, we're going to build the wall, and, I'm not, and I won't drop the tax rate. Hmm. Could you imagine if that happened? No. People would be like, how about you don't drop the tax rate and you don't build the wall? But there's a component here that I think we're missing that is us as people have allowed the politicians to go this way. Mm-hmm. We've allowed that to happen. And so when we're picking leaders and you're looking at your mix of what is going into it, mm-hmm. think about your motivations and the motivations of other people, right? That's your bootleggers and Baptists. Why are these motivations important? And then think about 
are you deciding some people are Jesus and some people are Machiavelli? Are you right? Are you are you splitting it into my side's Jesus and your side's Machiavelli? Are you sitting, you know, you're the cold calculating and mine is the altruistic, right? Are you doing that or are you simply saying, hey, they're human, so some mistakes aren't going to matter, but some mm-hmm. are. What decisions are you going to make about who you who you want running the place, right? If they're a womanizer, is that going to be an issue? Or is that going to be, were they a womanizer as a private person or as a government official? Do you value experience or do you value somebody who's been outside the beltway? Mm. That's, and then when you see other people making other choices, try to fi- try to figure out how you can talk to their mix of choices. And I think with that, we can start actually approaching having leaders who are competent, who are trustworthy, and who have the ability to come out and actually fight for what they believe in because it is no longer about having the best soundbite. Thanks for listening. And if you have a comment, question, or rant, we'd love to hear it. Email us at bluestateconversations at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and find our articles on Medium. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. No matter what state you're in, blue, red, or purple, there is always room at the table to discuss your views in a way that lets us all grow.